0: Hey, welcome to the Off-Grid Podcast with Ralph and Vicky. Let's get going.
1: Well, today's podcast is something special for Vicky and I, and I think it's going to be really special for everyone else. Um, you know, we've talked to a lot of our game wardens, Steve Beltran and everyone, you know, back home in Illinois, but to have the honor to, to be here with Mr. Bob Holder, who, let's just put it this way, Bob, you've been a game warden for almost longer than I've been
2: alive. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Yeah, no, almost forty-five years, or forty. I started my forty-sixth on July first. Oh, God
1: bless you. Yeah, is that awesome? You you. know, because a lot of our game wardens you talk to, you know, they're twenty years and they're gone.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, and I understand, I understand that there's difficult things in our profession and everything else, but just being around the wildlife that I'm around and the people that I get to deal with, it's, it's a positive experience and the worst day of my life's going to be day, hey, I can't wear this shirt anymore, so.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, it'll be lost for everybody. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So now knowing that you were part of like the West, we're here in Southern Colorado, just, just South of Trinidad, understanding that You've been here for 46 years. You've seen it from
0: when there were no homes. There was nothing. Right. You made the comment when you came up to the house here that you were here before this was a subdivision.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I told you. I used to transplant bears into here. (laughs) If there was a bear that was an issue, we would put them in here. It's great bear habitat, as you guys have seen. Oh, Yes. Absolutely, yes. you know the the acorns of uh, production on the oak brush in this country and everything else. So it was a prime spot for bears, and uh, so yeah, I've known it for a long time.
0: Well, I, I can tell you that we've actually seen bears, and they're still doing really well around here. Good, yeah, Good deal. <laughs> we've yep.
2: actually seen
1: a lot of game. Yeah. yeah, you know, now now back then the population for just we won't even talk about bears, but how about elk you know where was the population back then
2: and through your whole career what have you seen you know this uh, that's one of the reasons that I've uh, one of the reasons that I've been here so long because this is such a unique environment I mean right here from your house you can see the plains where you've got pronghorns uh, you can see the the high country where you've got bighorn sheep so we have everything from the 14,000 foot to down to the the 5,000 foot so that gives us such a diversity of of wildlife. That being said, the elk population has always been excellent in this country. As the years change, you see a different focus, however, on that elk population. And I think we have lost some habitat. We lose habitat to houses. We lose habitat to roadways and mineral exploration, methane exploration, things like that. So that has changed it somewhat. We still have a, a great elk population. But it's it's scattered more now. We're seeing elk in places that we that we normally didn't see elk, and so it, it's tough to say. It's always been a good population. We border Vermejo Park. They're you know internationally known for their elk population. The nice thing about this country is we have the age class where those bulls reach their their maximum potential in antler development and everything which makes it equally spectacular for not only the hunter but also for the enthusiast that just you know likes to see them or hear them and things like that but the, the elk population over the years has it stayed pretty steady as i said changes in habitat high country and pasture lands and things like that you have to look at that pretty closely to see how things have changed though so how it's how it's dispersed those animals
1: you know, and there's so many variables that people don't know. You know what I mean? They, they, they want to think they know it all. And just like you're mentioning, you, you know, you, you step outside and you start to look in and you go, holy cow, there's so many other things that can change the, the patterns, change the movement of game. And, you know, one of the things I think that we totally neglect on, and that's man's encroachment.
2: Oh, there's no question about it. And I mean, that's a great statement. I, I think personally that our agency has some of the best, most knowledgeable biologists in the United States. But after this many years, I realized that a man can't know everything that's going on. I mean, there are little things within the ecosystem that may change that we're unaware of. And that changes patterns and everything else. I mean, we talked a little bit about the mule deer population. I've seen an increase in our mule deer population over the last several years, and at the same time, a, an increase in our mountain lion population. You would think it would be different. So have the mountain lions then changed their patterns and hitting elk more, or it's it's something out there that, that certainly I'm not smart enough to recognize, but you notice the changes and try to note that as your management scheme plays out. So,
1: You know, my dad taught me a long time ago. He said, you know, you can learn from research. You can learn from books, but truly the best way to learn is be out there.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's no question about it. And and it's funny because I learn something new every day, and that's not an exaggeration. You learn something new about wildlife, about wildlife habits or habitat you learn it every day once you think you know everything about species that you're managing probably time for you to go to an office or something else because you just can't know what the minute changes are that may impact that an entire elk deer bear lion population you just never know
0: you know we were chit-chatting before we started recording and just things that we were just chit-chatting about and over 46 years of being out there and you know transporting bear and elk and everything else and the things i would just love to hear stories over 46 years of what you've witnessed out here i mean you had talked about you know at one point in time, when you first came out here, it was like the Wild West, you know, kind of like. You said in <laughs> six the first six months, right?
1: Your first six months?
2: Yeah, I was here six months, and uh, we had a situation where people were poaching elk in December. Obviously, no season going on. They were on private land without permission. They had numerous elk down, had pack horses, everything. And up until that point, I had known about poaching, uh, you know, and growing up through my life. But the, the situation there was if you got caught, you dealt with the consequences, you respected the wildlife, Officer, because uh, you know he was trying to do the do the right thing for wildlife. And that night, I realized it wasn't a game that people were ones in the state to be issued bulletproof vests through our agency. Because of that incident, we had uh, there was an officer sitting in the vehicle when uh, they shot up his vehicle. There was a shot fired in the contact. I was on that night. It wasn't me, but just there, there. Yeah, there's a lot of things, and it's interesting though. Those people that that I dealt with then now are acquaintances that I can speak to and. And offer my condolences, you know, if they lose a loved one or something like that. So people do bad things. That doesn't mean they're bad people. People make mistakes. And that may have been a way of life before I came here. Not that I have changed that pattern any, but it was a different time. And poaching was accepted means of getting your table fare and that kind of stuff. So.
0: That makes it hard, too, because, I mean, there's obviously seasons because that's why the wildlife has flourished so much because of understanding the, you know, the conservation of it and the biology of it and everything, the management of it so that you go ahead and you have elk seasons and deer season. And that's the reason for it is just so that that way you guys understand the numbers and why you have to have these and the value of those hunting licenses and where it goes, too.
2: Right. I, you know, I mean, our agency uh, obviously relies on hunting fishing licenses. Uh, there's no question about that. But I think as much of that uh, for me is the realization that, that hunters and fishermen, we work for them. We're, we're supposed to be their communication, you know, their ability to come and talk to us or whatever, to have input or complain or praise, whatever they choose to do, once again, I we work for them. And uh, I think we owe it to them. I'm a hunter. Been, oh, I was raised a hunter. So somebody has to manage those deer and elk and bears and everything. Uh, I always ask people when I give my programs and stuff if if anybody has ever heard a bear growl. And there's always some macho guy sitting there covered in camouflage and raises his hand says, Yeah, I had one outside my tent last night. Growled. Said, Nah, well... Bears don't growl. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to have some knowledge of what you're hunting, what what you're fishing for. You've got to know their habits, their habitat. It's not just pulling the trigger. Anybody can do that. It's it's a matter of respecting what's out there and learning the most you can about it.
0: Right. And I want to, we were also discussing another thing that really kind of blew Ralph's mind was the whole shed antlers. So we were discussing just little things like, so, you know, like we saw a truck and the guy was collecting antlers in town. Yeah, 100%, and said, you know, 100% legal, 100% what he was doing. And I get it. But then we were talking about shed hunting, and you had said that that's actually one of the biggest trespassing things going on now.
2: You know, it is. In the spring, we have a we have a real issue to the point now that uh, our commission has had to address that through regulations. When you, I
0: saw there's actually seasons now it, of actual when you can go seasons. in. And
2: Right. And before, basically what happens when those antlers hit the ground, they belong to the landowner. You know, I mean, they're no longer considered wildlife. However, with the new regulation, if you are caught on private land picking up sheds without permission, you can be charged through our regulations. And at that point, that carries uh, the monetary fine I won't uh, won't speak to, but it is a 20-point violation. Oh. Now, if you— For picking up a shed. For picking up a shed without permission— for trust passing, Odyssey, yeah. Exactly. What your listeners need to know is that there are 48 member states of the Interstate Wildlife Violator Compact. If you accumulate enough points to be suspended, all of those states honor it. are cognizant of that and honor right. that. So it's not a matter of paying a, a marginal fine or whatever. Some people, are; their ethics are not ruled by money. But when you think of the chance of losing your hunting, fishing, and trapping privileges, and I say privileges, not rights, but if you lose those privileges in Colorado, you've lost them in those other states as well. All those states.
0: Stay right there. We'll be right back with more of the Off Grid Podcast right afterward from our sponsors.
2: Most gun makers just add a new feature to improve performance. Every component of the Browning Exbolt works together to deliver the most crucial feature total accuracy. The Browning Exbolt, an all new rifle system designed for total accuracy.
1: Hey, thanks for coming back. Now let's get back into Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast.
2: Some people are their ethics are not ruled by money. But when you think of the chance of losing your hunting, fishing and trapping privileges, and I say privileges not rights, but if you lose those privileges in Colorado, you've lost them in those other states as well,
1: all those states. So something that you love, you cherish is gone
0: because you picked up an antler.
2: Yeah. Exactly,
1: but but I think the thing that surprised me was under or learning that it's for the pets. They're cutting they're cutting up the antlers, rounding off the edges, and selling them for a premium dollar for your dog to chew on.
2: Exactly. If you go to any pet store, some of the the major chain stores, you will find elk antlers, deer antlers that are being sold as chew toys for your pets. I'm a dog lover as well. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, you have yeah. yeah, he's with you almost all <laughs> yeah, the time. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, Armageddon is my boy. But, uh, you know, that doesn't make it any easier when you see those elk antlers in a, in a store like that. We won't buy any for our dogs because our beliefs about selling wildlife and that kind of stuff. But that's what's driving the market now.
1: Wow. I, I, you know, I just didn't, I never put two and two together for that. I didn't.
0: Well, no, because when you think back to like shed antlers or antlers in velvet... It was always a different thing. It was for different medicines, right. Asian medicine things, the way they looked at it, and that's how it was at. But then when you had said it, no, it's more for the pets, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that.
2: Yeah, and it, you know, it used to be uh, chandeliers and yeah. desk ornaments and this and that. And, I, and I'll guarantee you, nobody loves antlers any more than I do. But to me, they're a work of art. They're not a, something to be sold or bartered or anything Every, like that. E-
1: each one is unique. Exactly.
2: Exactly, from the two point to the trophy bull, whatever it is. I, the thing that is interesting to me is I see people that maybe have, you know, come in to hunt for a couple days or whatever it is and they don't think about the other 360 days what that animal goes through to grow those antlers you know you've got mountain lions you've got roads you've got interstates there's a lot more goes into that life than five days that you're looking for a set of antlers so you need to respect that and think about the animal that you're after
1: you, you know and I think that brings us to a point we've made our career you know we, we've made our living you know, having our TV shows. We hope and we pray that we made a positive impact on a lot of future hunters as well as hunters. But I think today, too, and we've had this conversation, there's some shows out there that are hurting hunting, that, you know, they're making it look Too easy, or they're putting it strictly on the measurement, on you know, you know, on on all of these other things, and I think it's depleting what hunting is all about.
2: I have to agree with you on a personal level. I won't say on a professional. No, no, yes, sir. But uh, on a personal level, when it it becomes a fashion show, or and I understand that's for an entertainment value, but for some hunters, that's not entertaining. We want to see you know our tactics, what works the best, and and this and that. Most of us will never have the opportunity to hunt a trophy. Animal or hunt private land, uh, you know, or something like that. So as I say, most most hunters don't have that opportunity, and so to put an artificial value on a Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young score or or whatever it is, that's the wrong thing to do. We have to put the emphasis on the experience about being with family or friends or this or that. And there's still a lot of hunters out there that realize it's not about killing anything. Anybody can pull a trigger. That's not an impressive feat. It's it's how you treat that animal uh, and its habitat before and after that harvest so wow what better words huh
0: yeah no doubt so Ralph was doing a little research on you. Yeah, Uh-oh. <laughs> I was trying to just find something. To, yeah. Well, we know that you were um, Officer of the Year, right, in two thousand and one. Two thousand
2: and one. Yeah, in, right, in, for, in North America. In yeah, no, yeah the in whole North, yeah yes,
0: that, that's kind which of a which is
2: huge. Thing. Well, it was huge. to me. I mean, obviously, it was I'd, to you. Uh, it
0: should have been was to a lot of people. If that's, I mean, that's huge.
2: Yeah, like I say, it was to me. I, I in nineteen ninety six, I was Officer of the Year in Colorado, Colorado. and that's yep. the little pin I wear, and that's. You can only have that once in your life, and it was uh, it was voted on my peer, so that made it particularly special. But the one in 2001, uh, North American Wildlife Enforcement Officers Association, one of my people that mentored me and one of my partners sent that application in, and and that meant the world to me. Once again, that it had come from the people you work with. Right. So yeah, it was it's just a tremendous honor. But, you know, it's the uh, same thing I, I tell people in all, in all my programs. Everybody's special. I mean, those, those little kids that you give programs to are special and the college kids and everything else. And those awards and honorarium are, are fabulous. But that was yesterday. Okay, that doesn't mean anything today, you know, is, as far as if I don't get my job done for wildlife or for people. Those those awards don't mean a thing, and a lot of our guys don't even know that you know that I've received them or anything like that. But uh, you just have to prove yourself every day.
1: And this is coming from a gentleman that's been a game warden in the state of Colorado for forty six for years. Forty
0: six years. That's insane. That's okay.
1: pretty cool. Now, how about one of the ones that I, I love is isn't it June tenth?
2: <laughs> holy mackerel yeah he did some wow. research on you yeah well yeah you you have been doing some yes research. sir yeah what is june 10th vicky is
0: that bob holder day <laughs>
2: yeah. i love yeah, it it's bob holder day yep, yep. uh that's
1: awesome buddy that's the, awesome
2: i i was again overwhelmed i was uh was asked to speak at a at the uh county commissioners meeting on game damage to to hemp fields going in and this and that. My son was here, who's also a wildlife officer, best one I've ever been around, but got through the, the presentation to the commission. Uh, my son helped me because he has dealt with that damage before, and we started to walk away from the podium, and one of the guys said, we got you, didn't we, Bob? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, "Well, you're you're always trying to get people. We got you on this one." So they uh, they honored me with my own day. Well, yeah, June God 10th. God bless Bob you. Well deserved. Well, that's thanks. Amazing. Thanks. You know, that's... and
1: you just touched on something, and I wanted to bring that up is because your son Zach is he's following your footsteps.
2: Uh, you know, I'll say he's leading. I'm following his footsteps, and I'm not. I'm not being. Uh, facetious here Zach is the best wildlife officer I've ever been around and I have worked with some of the best and I've been trained by some of the best and I've evaluated officers for those 45 years and as I say he's got it all man he's got the the common sense sense of humor uh, the physical abilities he's a great one yeah he's a great one
1: well, I can tell you, again, I hate to say it this way, but my dad taught me another thing, and he said, actions reflect leadership. Well, I appreciate so more that. More power to you.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah, he when he was a kid, I had to get up one night, uh, you know, from the dinner table. And it was a special occasion, of course, and I wasn't able to eat dinner. And Zach got pretty mad. And I said, what's the matter, Zach? Don't you want to be a game warden when you grow up? He said, no, I don't want anything to do with it. He said, takes you away from birthday parties and this and that and this and that. Well, now, now he knows that it is a, uh, it's a commitment. I mean, I mean it's a life not, commitment. It's, yeah, a yep. life yes. commitment. And and it sounds terrible, and and I'll get chewed out for this one. But 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 family generally comes second to a wildlife officer because those animals that are out there don't have a voice, and you, that's what you're representing. So uh, and I, again, I'm not being a martyr or, or trying to make a good podcast or anything else, but it's just the fact that. You you take an oath to protect that wildlife, and you do the very best you can. Do you make mistakes? You bet you do. Everybody does. But the scenario boils down to there's one guy on the front line in, in the district, and that's, you know, that's it. And, and Zach... He called me one day crying like a little baby, and he's a big man. He's a power lifter. He's, he's strong lifter. as an ox. Yeah, he's a power lifter and everything else. But he called me one day crying like a baby, and I knew instantly that what was going on. But he told me, he said, Dad, I can't do it anymore. He said, I got I to gotta go home today. Because he had a little bear that he had put out in a false den over winter and had bitten him three times on the arm. She died, and he was there when she died, and it was... Uh, it was a tough one when he when that little bear bit him it wasn't a, it wasn't a cub it was a little older bear and i said zach i said i had never been bitten scratched nothing i said what what were you thinking and the bear had squirted out uh, from under a trap door and he pinned her to the ground and uh had her controlled and uh his partner couldn't get the door open on the trap that they were using and the top was bent and that bear figured out where where Zach was, and and she was able to get her head around and started raking him with her claws across the chest, and then bit him three times on the arm till he let her go. And his statement to me was, "Dad, she's my responsibility." And that was I knew then that's the best game warden I've ever been around. You know, I'm I'll, I'll take the physical pain. She's my responsibility.
1: Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid podcast.
0: This segment of Off Grid Podcast is brought to you by New Archery Products. Since the introduction of the first Spitfire broadhead more than two decades ago, NAP has been leading the way in a mechanical broadhead technology. No matter what game you're pursuing or which style of mechanical broadhead you prefer, NAP has something for you. From the time-proven Spitfire line to the rear-deploying zone line that creates massive entry holes, NAP mechanical broadheads continue to pave the way.
2: Now let's get back to the show. And that bear figured out where, where Zach was, and, and she was able to get her head around and started raking him with her claws across the chest and then bit him three times on the arm till he let her go. And his statement to me was, Dad, she's my responsibility. And that was, uh, I knew then, that's the best game more I've ever been around. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll take the physical pain. She's my responsibility. Dang. God bless you all. Well, thank you. Thank you for everything well, you, you've done.
0: You know, it makes you realize, I mean, the the picture that what people think of game wardens sometimes are just these guys with badges that just think they're going around to ruin your hunt or you ruin your fishing spot. And when you're talking to Bob here, it's not like that. It puts it puts a different perspective and it turns it around on you cuz even just talking about the bears in general with, you know, all these people building houses and dumpsters and garbage cans, we're encroaching in on their areas. And yet we think they're the problem. Right. You know, and it's not. And like I just said, I mean, he really changed, you know, it turns the view around to make people understand that you guys love this wildlife. You're not doing it just to wear a badge and be this badass cop, you know, with a badge and trying to ruin your hunt. You're protecting this wildlife. You're protecting all of this for all of us to enjoy. Well, because someone who's taken away from it is stealing from everybody.
1: That's what they're doing. And, and, and I, I mean, you know, the other thing is, I, I wish there was a way everyone listening could feel the emotions because the emotions are real. You can't fake those. And, you know, to see the compassion in your eyes, to, under, to feel the love that you have for your son and, and the respect that you have for your son is, to me, there's no higher honor for a father to say, well, I appreciate about his son. that. Like, really, that, that's wow. Okay, yeah. so I'm getting choked okay. up here, damn
0: it. Dang. <laughs> okay, let's talk about hunting. Yeah. On, let, let's here, talk about here, something else.
1: <laughs> one of the issues that we're all everybody's dealing with is CWD. Right. And and a lot of guys, a lot of hunters, guys and girls, you know, they shoot their deer, throw it in the back of the pickup, but they, they leave the whole skull because they're going to take it to taxidermist, but they're going to take it to a different state. People got to be aware of how they have to handle that today
2: right oh definitely i mean it's not just the cwd i mean you think about and i know that they're getting more complicated our our big game brochure this year was 76 pages but that's part of your responsibility as a hunter to know you know where and when and why and what and and all of those other things i mean the more education you have about that it makes you a better hunter but as far as the cwd stuff you bet check with your local regulations your state regulations to see if you can bring that animal back into uh, into your state, there are some and how states it has that, to be done exactly. Some states that won't allow bones uh, back in or skull cap or things like that. Now we have uh, in the past, uh, in fact, last year tested animals that were harvested in this area, any antlered animal we tested for CWD. There was only one came back suspect, and that was east of Trinidad in the units that I cover. So it gives us an idea too of the spread and everything else but we don't want to be part of the problem either we don't want hunters hauling stuff back without being tested or uh, or hunters they... bringing it in exactly you know,
1: a Colorado, Colorado resident comes hunts Illinois didn't realize that the buck they shot you know has CWD or whatever and they Brought back the whole head to bring to the
2: taxidermist here. Right, exactly, exactly, yeah. And that's, again, a part of education. I mean, if you're using a taxidermist, talk to your taxidermist and see what needs to be done. Go to your local taxidermist and learn how to CAPE or whatever you need to do so you can minimize what impacts you might have on another state or locally, whatever. Cool.
1: Vicki, did you hear him? He said this year's brochure, the honey yeah. regs, was 76 pages. Yes. 46 years ago was there even a regulations book and if it was how many pages
2: well you know it was it was sometimes tough because uh the covered wagon that they used to bring it down to was, you know i could, it was kind of carved in a little piece of wood on the side but, i
0: was wondering if it was like yeah. stone chisel or something it might have been like the there. 10 commandments yeah exactly
2: exactly yeah i'll i'll show you where i keep it but don't look directly at it yeah so uh yeah oh it's gosh. it it has changed very very drastically I mean it was basically we had two seasons we had a deer season and an elk season that was basically it they didn't have late seasons or early seasons or game damage hunts or things like that so yeah it's i can't, I can't even I can't even begin to express to you how it's changed I think you saw earlier I mean the fact that I drove around in a blinding snowstorm for <laughs> two hours trying to trying to find this place that i've known forever uh that uh, i'm not good with uh, with electronics so you know yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: Yeah, think about that though the the, the amount of game loss that changes and like you said, okay, so you have two seasons and it probably was just a season, it they probably didn't have to worry about like archery season and muzzleloader season and rifle yeah, it season was, and it
2: was very, very different, you know, and I guess you can say as management progressed, I guess if you if you want to use that term, then those things did change because at that point officers and biologists felt that they could probably manage better on a game management unit basis you know, we know what we have here. We don't know what they have up in Meeker, Colorado. So you start refining those rules and everything, and it makes it better for hunting opportunities, you know, for quality of game and things like that. We use the preference point system, as you guys are aware. So there are years that guys don't get to hunt because they don't draw. They didn't have enough preference points. So that's part of the management scheme that has changed greatly. We have the the Ranch for Wildlife program where you can get access to private ranches and hunt. So there are just a lot of changes. And once again, I, my recommendation would be if you're coming to Trinidad or wherever you're going in Colorado, get a hold of the local officer ahead of time, not the day before, but weeks ahead of time. And we try to answer all the calls that we get, but it's it, you'd be dumbfounded at the number of calls that we get about things like that. But any information that we can give them that helps them, it it makes it better. And, and once again, and I let them know, we work for you guys. You know what I mean? You don't expect a, a non-answer or anything from somebody that you employ. So, Wow.
1: Again, these words, I hope you guys, I hope you understood that and you gather it and you take it in. Because what Mr. Bob just said... Probably is priceless for someone looking to come out hunting out west. And he just call the local game, find out because they're all listed. Contact them and see because a lot of people have made bad choices. You know, they come out or they book a hunt with an outfitter that they saw the advertisement, right? And he's squinting his eyes. Well, and and, and you (laughs) can go on. It was a nightmare. Well, right? Well,
0: nowadays you can go right online and look it up, and you know you can do your research what you think, but maybe you didn't realize that you know. There was a wildfire at the last minute, you know, which is happening a lot right now. Ooh. But you know, you booked a hunt, you went, you didn't. The outfitter didn't mention that the wildfire hit last season, and there's no game in the area, or something like that. Where you guys, the local game wardens, are going to know this kind of thing.
2: Well, and that's a great point, and you know, specifically on outfitters and everything. There is a, you know, through a Department of, of Regulatory Agencies. Uh, The website, you can get on there and look at the outfitter. I, for one, I mean, I I can't afford to go to another state. I mean, that's a a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go to you know, Wisconsin to, to hunt whitetail or whore, whatever it is. For most of us, again, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to save your money and all of the other things that go into it and then to have a bad experience when you get there because you didn't check to see whether this, uh, was legit this, or this yeah. thing was legit or... Whether it was registered, you know, whether they were registered. I'm not just talking uh, outfitters. I'm talking the whole experience. I mean, if I can put in for a Kansas deer license, once you get that license in, you're calling people to try and get to hunt, that doesn't work you know, have your have your ducks in a row before you put in so you have contact. And what I tell people is whoever you contact, write down who you talk to and the telephone number of those people that you talk to because sometimes that information isn't the same as you'll get from another individual and you don't want to be the subject of poor law enforcement if there's no common sense involved with the information that you've gotten and that stuff. So Ooh.
0: That's a good point.
2: That's a really
1: good point. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess to round it up, one, Vicky and I, and I hope all the listeners out there, can't thank you, Bob, for your tremendous amount of unselfish hours in the field for all of us sportsmen and women. I appreciate that very much. We really cherish you, and through all of our travels, and Vicky and I are right here, we have met a lot of game wardens. Not um,
0: because we did something wrong. No,
1: no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I remember. Thank you for paying. No, yeah. that's not. No, that was a joke. Yeah. Boy, that was a joke. But very few places have we gone, and we've talked to so many that have the highest respect for their local game warden. And I have to tell you, Vicky and I are right here saying that you are one of the elite well, thank you very and, much, and we mean that from thank the bottom of much. our hearts, and and,
0: and and even like a couple of years ago when I shot my first bear here in Colorado, yeah, remember that, and that was the first time we actually met you face to face, yep, and even at that point we knew, I mean, you are just a, you are here for the wildlife, you are just a great man.
2: I appreciate it, you know, I, one of the officers that came on before me and that I looked up to, and he was a joining officer. And the day he retired, when you go in service or out of service on the radio, you give him a number. And the day he retired, he called in and said that he was 1042, that that would be his last transmission on the radio. And I talked to him on the phone, and it was obviously an emotional conversation. And he said, you know, Bob, everything that you and I started protecting is dead. Every animal that you and I started protecting is gone. He said, now you're protecting the offspring and that kind of stuff. That one hit me pretty hard. Yeah. Because, you know, that.
0: You don't think about when he put it that way, that just, yeah. Yeah, you don't
2: have any 45-year-old bears or, no. or deer or elk or anything like that. So when you do see something, it's like, uh, well, must have protected mom or, or yeah. dad or something yeah. in the right way, so... But guys, I just appreciate your ethics, and I'm not blowing smoke. It doesn't do me any good anymore. <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate your ethics, and when what you're showing is true stuff on uh, true emotion and everything, I some of it is not not with you guys, but you see it that's a little exaggerated or contrived and things like that. And hunters, sportsmen aren't stupid, you know. Amen. We right. see thank things you. like that, so thank you for what you do. Thank
0: you. So. Thank
1: you. Now, Appreciate we're going to ask it. before we close, could we do this again? Anytime. Which, okay, awesome. good. Well, Anytime. soon we'll be out
0: here full-time, soon enough. Yes,
1: soon, soon we're yeah, going to we, be full-time residents here in Colorado. Brain about
0: all that stuff, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I hope you guys understand and, and, and gathered up what, what Mr. Bob told everybody. And again, just something that we've learned be transparent game wardens are there for us they're here to help us they're here to protect the wildlife they're here to protect the waters they're here to keep things safe because we have heard so many nightmares out there and and you know just sitting here with with Bob and, and just listening to some of the stories is I mean the bottom line is uh we're all in this together
2: and you know that's it and I told Zach number of citations you write isn't the measure of a good wildlife officer or a good policeman or any good law enforcement officer it's how you can interact with your community and the resource you're protecting and everything else so we appreciate you guys god bless you buddy
0: thanks for listening to off grid with ralph and vicky and we will be returning again sometime with bob i guess huh absolutely <laughs> all right thanks again bob <laughs> Thank appreciate you. it
1: have a great one thanks for listening this is ralph and vicky's off grid podcast